is happening, my good peoples? Welcome to the Green Bridge Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Bridge. And for the first time for this season and first time on this live platform, we have Justin Marvel of This Just In joining us today. First, Justin, how are you doing, my brother? New and sexy intro, but He's on Bradley. I love a new intro. So I feel good that I get to be on this new season with me. You're great. Yeah, man. Glad to have you as always. AJ, how you doing, my brother? I'm good. I'm good, brother. I mean, you know, as you know, I was supposed to have some plans with the wife tonight. I'm a bit disappointed that that didn't get to play out, but... The flip side of that is that I am here with, I'm glad that I get to be here with Justin. My brave brother, what's going on? Everything Boy, well? we're looking good. We're looking good for this. I wish we had Adam Duvall for this player yeah. off run, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I can catch the Brea, we can catch the Mets, sorry, to, to get the division title, and then we can go forward and. Right. I, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. See, now that's the baseball talk that I, I really can't get to have the ball in. I, I have been pulling for the Yankees for a while, and they honestly have no idea you know, where they are. I said that Aaron Judge seems to be smacking balls out the stadium quite frequently this season. East, and I think it's second overall in, in, in that conference, so you should be one point, even though I think you're Vision lead is only like three or four games on the Rays, but we didn't come here ball this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, if the Yankees have a division lead, that means that something is working for them this season. But yeah, as you said, Justin, we're not here to talk about baseball. We are here to talk about the craziness, the madness <clears throat> that is the NFL. And after a week two, that was even crazier than what we saw in week one. This NFL season just keeps pumping out the hits. Four teams came back from fourth quarter deficits, three from double digits. This was a weekend to keep the neutral, the fan, and the betters all on the edge of their seats because almost nothing went according to script. I came into this NFL season feeling like I didn't have a good handle on who was good, who was going to surprise, but I thought I knew I thought I knew who was going to be terrible. After two weeks, I feel like I know even less than before we kicked off last Thursday. So as we go off the rip, as we started with last week, we are heading into four down territory. We walk around the matchups of the weekend and determine who had the best or worst on each category so first down justin who had the biggest win this weekend be what happened last night as in in the, the philadelphia eagles was not a believer of jim hurts coming out of alabama uh, i know we're stuck in oklahoma before getting on to the nfl but um there are always question marks accuracy as a pocket passer, etc., etc., and those were not exactly a couple seasons in the NFL. But boy, this season so far, it's clear that he is working hard. From what, what I have seen so 
so far outside of what's going on in Buffalo. I think Eagles right now are the most complete team in all of football. They took completely dismissed on both sides of football. My word, especially what um, Slade, I think he had one, like a couple catches and it was what two interceptions. Him and come complete man to man. I am going to Grove that much and the night victory sort of was comfortably the best victory in entire week two. Alrighty. So your vote for the biggest winner this weekend is the Eagles. So AJ, what about you? Who is your biggest winner this weekend? My it 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 pains me to say this, but it's the Dolphins. <laughs> it's just the manner in which that they took apart um Baltimore's defense. The fact that Tua was equaling a, a franchise record with, with what uh, um, names like Brian Greasy and, 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 and um, Dan Marino and that what Cheetah and Waddle had over, they had over, both had over buck 50, yeah, in the air and two scores each. And I, I picked the Ravens to win their division. I didn't expect that the Dolphins were going to be picking them apart like that. It, it was it was just a remarkable victory, honestly. I, they were the ones that shocked me, the manner of the victory. All righty. So one says that is the Eagles. The other says it is the Dolphins. So in my notes, I had that the Dolphins also were my biggest winner of the weekend. Now, in the NFL, you have to win the games that you're expected to win. You have to win the winnable games, and then you have to find a way to spring the upset in the not-so-winnable ones. And coming into this weekend, the Dolphins would have been expected, as you said, AJ, to lose to the Baltimore Ravens. The point spread was three and a half points. So you usually get three points for just being at home, which would mean that the gamblers expected that the game would go, was going to be a close game, but that the Ravens were going to win. And for the majority of the afternoon, Baltimore looked like they had it sewn up. Then Tua Tungvaloa had an afternoon for the ages. From the final snap of the third quarter to the end of the fourth, he went 14 of 18 for 232 yards and four touchdowns. In 21 plays, the Dolphins scored 28 points. This offense with first-year head coach Mike McDaniels was supposed to be better than last year, especially running the ball. As, you know, he was the run game coordinator for the 49ers, who possesses one of the most potent running offenses in the league. But the addition of Tyreek Hill seems to have done a world of good to their passing game. So we got two votes for the Dolphins. We have one vote for the Eagles. So that took care of the biggest winner of the weekend. Now we move on to second down. And second down, we are looking at who had the worst loss of the weekend. AJ, we'll start with you on this one. Oh, them Raiders. The Raiders. I, I, I don't think that they're in a deep hole as of, as of now. However, it's a hole nonetheless. Falling on two in this division is not where they wanted to be at, at this point of the season. Like, after bringing over Devontae Adams and, and paying him all that money, 
I, I and, and granted, like Devontae is not the issue. Like he's he's balling, he's doing his thing. But they just generally need to be better. And and Ken, I did tell you, I th- was it the end of last season or early this season? I told you that I was concerned about Josh McDaniels being a head coach. He's my guy as an offensive mind, but as a head coach, that's something different, right? I did tell you I had concerns about that, and and I still do. Now, granted, there's still time for them to turn the ship around because I still think that, that they're going to finish at least third in this division. I, I still think the Broncos are going to be the worst team in this division. However, it, it's just not a good look for them at this point to be 0-2 in the division as arguably like the tightest in the NFL. So... I, I heard a hot take there just now where you said that the Broncos are going to come last in this division. Yeah, 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 yeah. Book it, mark it, mark it I said so. This this will be on my on my um right or wrong. The Broncos last in the division. Yeah, and I, I, I'm waiting to see when you're the accurate or not comes out on this one. I want to see that one. Yeah, just, yeah, so Justin, tell me, who is your biggest loser? Of this weekend, AJ right, but the only right answer here has to be the Cleveland Browns. Show um, last night, Ken. You had not only this game easily, right? But, but we'll get to that. You're playing at home against a gym with, oh, you know, their bet, their their starting quarterback. You're playing the remains, buddy, and. You have one player to cover in Garrett Wilson, who the best player in this draft. I, I, I thought it would have been Kayvon Thibodeau, but he hasn't played a single down. Garrett Wilson had one job. One job is to cover Garrett Wilson this entire game. You're two minutes remaining. Three chances they said to put away this game. So you, like, Nick Chubb could have just simply stayed in bounds. Go to ground, game is over. No, he goes out of bounds. No problem. The very next play, again, avoid going in the end zone, go down to the ground, game is over. He doesn't go ill. All the Browns had to do was convert a point after to get that done. And you let the New York Jets, without their. Joe Flacco come into your building and win that game down at home. No, that is like like as I said, three easy things: avoid scoring a touchdown or just simply scoring an extra point and you could things done. No, no, AJ, this is easily the worst defeat of the entire defeat of the entire season. Far less than two. Wow. So Justin coming with the heat for the for the Browns. Tough okay. crowd, right? Yeah. It is true. No, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, fellas, we don't have any agreement at all on this one because I didn't pick either of those two teams. So my team that got the the worst beat of the weekend is probably the team that had the biggest deficit. In terms of the final score. And that was the Tennessee Titans. 
The Tennessee Titans are in a world of trouble. This is two weeks in a row that they've been a letdown, but this is a different kind of letdown in successive weeks. Last week, they were up 13-0 on the G-Men of New York at the half, and their usually stout defense couldn't find an answer for Saquon Barkley, who ran at 9.1 yards per carry and almost single-handedly won the game for the Giants. You see my previous point about winnable games. This week, they got embarrassed, exposed, disassembled, and dismissed by the Buffalo Bills. The Titans have aspirations to be a Super Bowl contender. But part of the process of being a contender is A, beating who you're supposed to beat, and B, winning the head-to-head matchups with the best teams in the league. After two weeks, one thing I know for sure is that Buffalo is good. But Tennessee seems to just be bad. Losing A.J. Brown in the offseason and replacing him with Robert Woods has not paid off in the manner they hoped. As so far, Woods has five receptions for 52 yards through two games. He apparently is still working his way back from the torn ACL he got in November last year. Derrick Henry hasn't gone going yet this year either, with a total of 34 carries for 107 yards, averaging 3.15 yards per rush, and not a catch on the ledger. The only saving grace is that they are in a division with the Jaguars, who are 1-1, and the Texans and Colts, who are both winless, but ahead of Tennessee, courtesy of that week one tie. Now, we did get some, some comments in the chat. Um, Kirk, thanks for joining us as always. He um, has no love for Josh McDaniels. He said, we in Indy will lose no sleep over McDaniels. We shed no tears over his demise. I guess that's you no. Know, that is. I don't. I don't even know. Let's call it sour grapes gonna, at this point. Not gonna be anything to do with a man after accepting job. That, nah, that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, definitely not. Definitely not. All right, Jack. So we've gone second down. So you know, know this is where the money down has to be. Because if you don't get it here on third, then you know bad things tend to happen. So third down. Who has the least impressive win this weekend? And AJ, we're going to start with you again. Least impressive win? And you know what? I'm going to be a little petty here right now. It's the Giants. The Giants. I I, I don't like it. The Giants are 2-0, bro. The Giants are (laughs) 2-0. You realize that my packs are are 1-1 and the Giants are 2-0. I don't even need... I I don't even need to put a full, like... Um, analysis behind this. I just don't like it. The Giants are better than us at this point in the season. I don't like it. it it's concerning for me. It's concerning for me. I don't like it. <laughs> Mercy, Chris. He just doesn't <laughs> like it. All I right. don't like it. All right, Justin, what about you? Who has your least impressive win? Come on, AJ. Like, I'm, you're at home. You're, you're up two scores, double digit. One of those four quarter comebacks. One of them was almost the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlantis Mariota at quarterback almost came back from two touchdowns down at home. It took a late drive to seal that victory. Hell no. Like, 
we saw Hawkins look like last season. You're starting Mar- Marcus Mariota on a team that has so many. Yes, like you know, I like Arthur Smith and his you know run base offense, but having to hold off the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, this is not a road game. Granted, things can happen. Like, y'all watch movie with the title that is very fitting any given Sunday, but it should not be one of those that you're at home against the Falcons who had a heartbreaking loss to close. Like, this is not a, even a trap game. This is not a division. This is not a division. It will be gone. Franchise that has never recovered from that 20 ball against the Patriots. This is one of those games that you easily put a be. I mean, Kelpitz impact like, like if you don't know, you would figure that Kelpitz didn't even play in this game and let those Atlanta Falcons come and rally and almost win a game in your stadium. Mally, that's the least impressive victory of all. Most definitely. So I mean, it is it is difficult to 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 get a handle on these Falcons this season. I don't know if I am the only one who feels this way because we thought the Falcons were going to stink. And then mm-hmm. the Falcons had me on the ropes last week. Like, a little bit more, they would have beaten the Saints at home last week. And now when you see what they're doing against the champs, I mean, the champs really didn't look that great in week one either. Like they got dismantled by the Bills. But these these Falcons, they actually seem to be pretty game. Now we have a, a comment here in the in the chat from Omar Clark. Thanks for joining us as always. He says that it is the Broncos and the Rams for him that had the least impressive win. But my notes, what I had here for the least impressive win does not go to either of those teams. And yes, like AJ, you can probably call me a little bit petty, but I don't think that pettiness really has to get involved with this one. And that is a Tampa Bay I know, I, know I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I'm just sure it's a phrase, but in the least, like no one. Well, I'm glad I can be consistent for you guys, right? Because just like what happens when Tampa Bay plays against the Saints, there needs to be some sort of consistency. Except for two dodgy drive extending penalties by the referees, Tampa does not get the go-ahead touchdown for which all things negative from a Saints fan point of view occurs. The score was three to three. And Brady was showing greater velocity, throwing his Microsoft surface that on most of his throws that afternoon. The Saints have stymied the rush of the Buccaneers, allaying my fears after letting Carrell Patterson run through the Mercedes-Benz Superdome like if he owned the place. The coverage is tight on the back end and well our offense. Well, our offense can't get on track. We seem to be doing just enough to stay in the game and give ourselves a chance. But then, there's an incident that we'll speak about shortly. 
And then comes the penalties. We lose our composure and the Bucks steal a win from the Caesar Superdome that they really shouldn't have had. The problems the Saints have exposed in the Bucks for the past three regular seasons still exist. If you can rush four and play coverage on the back end, I, I see you over there laughing and doing all kinds of things, but you can't, you can't throw me off, sir. If you can still rush four, if you can rush four, and play coverage on the back end. Blitz selectively and don't turn the ball over yourself. Brady and these Buccaneers can be beaten. And so far, they've not shown that they've addressed the, these issues. And in the age of the team, not to mention that Brady is going to bring that average up all on his own. And the injuries they have when everyone's at this point is not supposed to be healthy. Honestly, you can't be feeling too good in Tampa right now. AJ, I, I see you falling in your hand. So what you got for me? Justin, I've been telling this man this from, for years now. Bro, I Listen to me. Listen to me, right, Ken? Even I didn't pick the Bucks to win that game. I, I picked you all to win. Because you all win regular season games. But it had to end at some point. Your quarterback is Jameis Winston versus Tom Brady. So it, when it boils down to everything, it means that these are the two guys who, go, who are going to have to duel it out, right? Listen, and, and, this is, and we'll talk about this a bit later. This is no disrespect to Jameis. I actually like Jameis. But we're talking about coming up against the greatest ever. Come on, bro. This is not Drew Brees anymore. And I, you know I even had my conniptions about Drew Brees. This is not Drew Brees anymore. This is Jameis Winston. You need Jameis Winston to win a, a game in the fourth quarter. Look, 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 things happen. Things happen in the fourth quarter, right? Like, we always have those situations where if the game is tight, you need, you need a quarterback to pull you through. Jameis Winston ain't that guy, and I've been telling you so. I've been telling you so. Can I've been telling you? Oh, my God. That's why. The boy's been. <laughs> I've Listen. been telling you, you need a quarterback. Listen to me. I, I am not surprised that the Bucks won this game. I was laughing, and when I saw the final score, I was like, yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to Ken, because I know this is going to be so good for me and so bad for him. You know what, Justin? Go ahead, please. Have it. Just have it, please. Have it. Have it. That's right. Um, I know we'll get into this later. I think, obviously, the fight, whatever you want to call it, turn it tight game. But that was a very weird game part of the problem as it was broken down by one of my favorite analysts no Dan or James just refused to take what the Bucks were giving him after a time he's like he just got impatient he said, patient I think that's a different outcome like when you see he's totally three interceptions in fact all three interceptions everything they gave him check downs and it was on the game he was comfortable taking these check downs. He was comfortable taking the underneath stuff. He told himself, all right, fourth quarter time, we're not getting much. Obviously, Alvin Kamara is in. He's not getting much. Like, I got to put this on my shoulders. And technically, that was not the game to do such because your defense was doing that for you. And all the game, as it was in front of you, it was, it was a slugfest. And you just have to know and pick your spot. It's not the, 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 the game to do that. 
like on the first deep shot in the one he threw into double wide open underneath and I understand the play that play action was for that to see to go with the deep shot then they're always underneath ropes and just take what the defense like Tampa Bay just knew we continue to give him the underneath stuff you know stuff over the top he's going to force his action and I thought Andrew Breeze and then those couple of games the seven games he he had last season with Sean Payton. Jameis started to understand down and distance and situational football. Fortunate to see that, you know, that 30 for 30 season that's reared his ugly head in that game. As I said, on all three interceptions, he takes the underneath stuff. We're talking about come definitely not top of winning by two scores. See, so at this point, I, right? wait, I, I, I just want to add some, one thing real quick. One thing Go real quick because, because this, is, this is so funny to me. This is so funny. Justin, I don't know if you saw this post-game interview, but I think it was Levante David that came out after the game. Yeah, oh, yeah. So you know what I mean? And, and he said that they basically knew that, that Jameis was going to turn the ball over. So they were just waiting. They were waiting. For him to just turn the yeah, ball like, over because they know. Plan the game plan was we're gonna take everything deep away and force him to and play captain check down, and he was yeah. willing to do that for yeah. three quarters. <laughs> it was like I think it was it Levante Dave or Devin White one or two, and they said and he was one of one or two, one or two, yeah. Specifically, we know that that James is gonna give us a football, and that's. It's a bit that, like, are you just saying, well, we take away the deep stuff and we know you're going to turn over the football? Like, go ahead, Ken. I don't, Sorry. I, don't, I, I don't have any more to add. Go ahead, Ken. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to save I'm going to save my comments on, on Jameis for a little later in the show. But I know, as I, as I said, and what, what you both have said, I really can't rebut it at this point because right now Jameis has three touchdowns and three interceptions for the season. So this doesn't bode well, but it's three interceptions in one game. But we'll get back to that in a in a he's, bit. He's, Let, so he's on pace for another thirty and thirty. He says is what we say. We can get back to that. So let's let's just move on. Let's just move on from from third down, and now we're over to fourth down and the moral victory. So, well, moral victories do not exist in the NFL. There are always times or, you know, the situations that somebody could be feeling pretty good right now or they could use this to soothe themselves after a loss. So, Justin, we'll start with you on this one. Who gets your moral victory for week two? There are really no moral victories in the NFL or professional sports. And, you know, y'all gave the Baskins to agree with that. But if there was one, I have to say the Baltimore Ravens have looked the SC North thus far, just like I thought they would be. Lamar Jackson is looking like the man who is going to command a big break strap that will, you know, whatever they do, they're going to have to ask initially, and Baltimore is going to regret not trying to get this done more season. Like, we can talk all we want, right? For three quarters, 
Baltimore come dominated, decimated, whatever word you want to use, or the source for that against Miami. And as JT said on our show last night, um, Ken, it got bored. Like, it was just too much time on the clock, and Miami got back in the game. When you, read, when you look at their defensive backfield, like Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters, and there's no way that that Pro Bowl level secondary, like, on their game, they're not going to let Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle continue to get behind them. And it was like they, they were all, they were bored. So I have to see in another their foot completely off the gap on the gas, sorry. And we saw what Lamar Jackson did like for guy, uh, you know, unanimous MVP years ago. That might have been his watch in playing the NFL. So I have to see, you know, it hurts, it's him, but when it's Baltimore because for three quarters they be Dolphins and I think right now this is a playoff contender and easily in my estimation Alrighty so Justin has the Ravens as the one with the moral victory what about you AJ who gets your moral victory for this week is there any other answer but the Jaguars I mean <laughs> honestly <laughs> Because they're a bad team. They're still bad. But that was a very impressive victory at home. I mean, it riled up the fans and all that. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a really good day. He was like, I mean, let me see what I have in my notes here. He was 25 of 30, yeah, for 235 yards. Solid. Two, two touchdowns, no picks. So, a solid day, solid day. But nobody in his offense, like he spread the ball around, right? No one in his offense was like really impressive. The Jaguars won a game. Huh? I had Christian Kirk on the bench. Yeah, but even Kirk, even Kirk didn't have like 100 yards. He had like 68 yards or something like that. 25, 26, 50 points. They could have really used that. So, so. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, just, I just don't feel like their win amounts to anything. I feel like it's a moral victory to get the morale of the team up. And it will. But... It's the Jaguars. Like, what are they going to do from here? Like, they're not going to do anything. The, the team is winning really bad. Itself. Huh? The AFC itself is even worse. They just winning. When you look through the I, 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 Justin, crazy. I will get into that. I will get into that a little bit later on. Right <laughs> now, I'm going to say that the Jaguars, that, that's my moral victory, all right? They, they ain't going to do anything, <laughs> before, all right? Before, before I can get the AFC itself, right? Before um, guy JT from JT and the Dawn, like that, the Jacksonville Jaguars would have been the AFC South. I'm like, really? And you see how bad all four teams really are, huh? That's your back. Would you rather have the four teams? And the likelihood you're going to probably say Trevor Lawrence. And like, what do you look I mean, I mean for the long run, run, yes. For the long run, yes. Yeah. Not even right now, this thing, right? We ask. Who's gonna win the division? And they always say, all right, who's the best team? Who's the best coach? And likely that that team wins the division. And I have to see if Trevor Lawrence himself, which isn't really saying much. I feel the Jaguars are gonna win the FC South. Interesting. So we have a hot take. No, we have one from AJ earlier, and now we have a hot take from Justin. 
Justin, you know, you know, I, re- I respect you. I respect your knowledge of this game. Did you just say? Did you just say that you think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win the AFC South? Is that just what he said? That, that's just what let's, he said? Go this, let's go through this team by team. Because it sounds ridiculous. Let's go through this logically. No, it does. It does sound ridiculous. It does. It does. <laughs> All right. We sat down ultimately for those of us who did not, not switch to the other ESPN or ABC. Some the the, the bare bones of the Tennessee Titans against Buffalo. This is what the the, the, the pixie dust is worn off. This is what Rantana Hill is now. That is the way you're playing the game going forward. You realize that? Derek Henry is coming back. It does not look like the offensive line, for whatever reason, has taken a step back. There's no AJ Bros. Always. It always played above what it really was. Tennessee playoff team right now. I think you can comfortably say it, and there was a, a reason that. The Titans went in. So we can cross the Titans off the board. The team that I thought that would have contended because of, of Jonathan Taylor, the Indianapolis Colts, that team should have gotten Matt Ryan a season ago, not this season. Matt Ryan is done. There's a question in the docket, and I think Ken should have put that Matt Ryan. And reason that I think that Matt Ryan is done, right? I can't believe this. What was the strength? It's arguably no the weakest part, and that's that offensive line. That offensive line is not game blown up. And that is the reason that Jonathan Taylor looks as average like and can can do what Jonathan Taylor is doing right now because the offensive <laughs> line is so poor and it's even currently worse at protecting and giving Matt Ryan time and young in the tooth anymore. So Matt Ryan is not going and creating anything. Is it buying any time? You need to give that old boy time. And it's clearly showing me. I mean, granted, have a problem with it in Jacksonville. I think that was one. Some ridiculous straight number they, 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 they've gone on in Jacksonville and can't get a single win. And then Houston Texans, like you are coming to the public and telling me that you are looking at the quarterback for your future. You know your franchise is bad. You give his old, um, what is the head coach's name? Um, Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith, yeah. Lovie Smith. What, well, sorry, you did have somebody you wanted for the job, but, but you know, the whole that, that came out of Miami and you were trying to avoid it. The, the, the black, the whole body. Look. So you just going to bite me another year, give Lovey Smith this job and say thank you and give him a retirement package. are not looking to win football games in the least. When you are telling the public that Davis Mills is a quarterback that you can see leading you in the front, like, who are you fooling? So ask yourself this question. You have a Super Bowl winning head coach as much as I'm not a fan of head coach. In your organization, you have Trevor Lawrence, former number one overall, arguably the best quarterback in 
third division, you have spent money on position players. I think everything points to tell me of the ESC I believe that all four are bad. The least worst of the hot. <laughs> no, I did not say better. I said the least worst of the hot. What do you think they're going to back into the ESC self title? You, you know what? I will get into that a bit more later on. I'll let Justin's words rest right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's all. That's all I have to say. Good good take, Justin. <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. All right. So so we have some comments that came in during this little um, tete-a-tete with regards to the Jaguars. We have um, Brian Viegas. He seems to be a Jaguars fan. He's calling the upset just like Justin. And you know he's he's rapping for the sunshine. Um, Kirk said that the best years of the Indy Oiling were wasted on Wentz. Yep. I mean, Wentz, Wentz only, Wentz only had one year, didn't he? It was wasn't it one and done over there? Yeah, but the offensive line looked like cheese, like like wood monsters. It was one and two. Yeah, it's as big as the ABC I wish. So, I mean, like, but for what? Whatever reason, can a massive step. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. No, uh, just a ABC highway. Yeah, just to complete. <laughs> to complete. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> On fourth I'm note, sorry. for the moral victory, my moral victory, I actually gave it to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and I'll just go through this really quickly. The Eagles have to be on top of the world right now and with good reason. Jalen Hurts has improved almost Josh Allen-esque over these last couple of years, vindicating the decision to hand him the keys to the kingdom and move on from the aforementioned Carson Wentz. He is throwing the ball pretty accurately from the pocket and he is the de facto pullback for this Eagles offense, running with not quite reckless abandon and finding the end zone with an impressive efficiency. Last night, they played against who I thought was the contender to be the class of the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings, because Justin, as you would remember, I said this just last night, that I thought the Vikings were going to take care of business in Philly and show themselves to be the best team in the NFC, and they got the business. Darius Slay had Justin Jefferson in his pocket all game long and got two interceptions off Kirk Cousins, who still struggles when the lights turn on. AJ Brown is beasting on this team to the point where Devontae Smith has been overshadowed in this early part of the season. The running back committee seems to have really efficient meetings because they get stuff done. I have to give it to the Eagles who beat up the up-and-coming Lions and the NFC North leading Vikings. Well done to them. So, fellas, um, just give me a name. Um, you like to give like the b- biggest surprise of the NFL weekend? So AJ, just give me the name. Who was your biggest surprise package this weekend? Bro, you know where I'm going. It's my Detroit Lions, bro. It's my Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell's kneecap biters. You know what? <laughs> I did not expect these men to put up 36 points again. Like this offense actually seems to be rolling. No, granted that the defense almost done this step away, right? But they actually held on, and I'd love to see that. And again, again, Amon Ra is my guy. I'm, I'm telling you all again, Amon Ra is my guy, right? And he's officially my second favorite receiver in this league after Devontae. 
It's a, so y'all can put this on on record. I'm on Ra. Yeah. Same bro. Second receiver. Devontae first. I'm on Ra second. Okay. He's that guy. And 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 mm -hmm. and this is another hot, another hot take. He's going to be a top 10 receiver in this in this league at the end of the season. He's going to be top 10. Well, I don't think that's hot take, really. That man, that man, won, well, won me, that man won me sing, almost single-handedly uh, a fantasy league last season. So. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm te I, bro, I've been singing his praises. I've been singing this man's praises. All right, Justin, who is your biggest surprise? Well, if it's the biggest disappointment with the Cleveland Browns and the biggest surprise, New York, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So shout out Ricky Nurse, a good fight. Cannot believe it again. You going with the beer bones of Joe Flacco, the remains, the skeleton of Joe Flacco, go on the road in Cleveland. Garrett Wilson is the best player in this draft. I'm gonna say it right now. Like, okay, Von Thibodeau, who, who may prove me wrong, uh, prove me right at the same time because I did say at least in this draft. Garrett Wilson is the best player in this draft right now. New York Jets. I, I actually did a line up like, probably a half hour ago. But all the scene without a, sh a, a hope of winning coming from two, two times within his final two minutes to pull that out. And it didn't even go into extra time. That's how inept the Cleveland Browns are. Yeah. going to go with the New York Jets. All right. Well, my my one was also the Jets, um, and I, I literally started the same way you did, Justin. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. How do you come back from 13 points down? Less than two minutes to go, Joe Flacco at quarterback. By scoring a touchdown on a busted coverage, recovering the almost unrecoverable onside kick, and then scoring another touchdown with 22 seconds left in regulation. Apparently, this iteration of the Browns can't hold leads. But imagine how good the Jets are feeling today when they can sneak a win that, you know, they didn't expect. Now, of course, we have to talk about the fight. And if anybody's asking what fight, well, I don't know where you've been. But the annual Mike Evans cheap shot into Marshawn Lattimore resulting in a huge dust-up on the field. The annual. And, yes, annual. And Evans and Lattimore getting ejected from the game. The league has since announced a one-game suspension for Evans for this week's upcoming home game against Green Bay. But there, this is a three-parter. Justin, what do you make of it? Do you believe the suspension was justified? And should Lattimore also see further punishment? So, I'll go for it. Should Lattimore receive punishment? Absolutely. For what? No. They got it right. Uh, we spoke about it last night. Shouldn't even have been like, ejected from the game because they talked. Back to Tom Brady, oh no, like you shouldn't talk back to Tom Brady, like, like and then he got some, and he retaliated, like so he's supposed to take take a punch and not defend himself. So in terms of not suspending Lattimore, more, uh, he shouldn't have not he should not have been ejected. We spoke about this again, like so. Going to second question, he, Mike Evans should be suspended, but for minimum of three to four games one is simply because this is a repeat offender and you're sending the message that not matter that's nonsense you keep 
you can't continually tell the public you're worried about player safety. You add an extra game to regular season, you add another game, having these moneyless um, um, preseason games, and then you're watching him almost annually, as you said, can run from off the field and spear himself into play. Because as we saw, as you mentioned it, right, when Nikola Jokic did it to one more, severely injured his mind, like whiplash is the thing. You could have damaged his mind, but you could have, and this is not the first time he has done this. This is a repeat offender. It might send a message, but the message is clear to us. The NFL does not care what do I think about this? Is your first question? I absolutely love it, by the way. Alone that professional sports have gotten too soft. All these players are friends, all these except Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. I'm sure all of them um family guy where the big chicken and Peter Griffin every fight. Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans is the definition of of look in an urban dictionary and look for the quote on site, you are going to see a picture versus Marshall and Lattimore. They see each other at a pub. They could be in a strip club as and get through I absolutely love this rivalry. I look on the other side of this call. She could tell you anytime the Saints and the Bucks that game. There were other games showing on my television because thankfully I don't have flow. So sorry for those who've been, you know, who've been robbed of NFL games. I don't have flow, so I can watch. My way to tell you the Saints and the Buccaneers game was on the entire time. Marshall and more of my Evans is must see TV like UFC. <laughs> okay, so what about you, AJ? How well? Three questions again. How do you feel about this? Um, did the NFL get it right um, about the suspension? And should Lattimore also see further punishment? No, I, I, I think that the punishment is correct. Um, I don't believe that either of them should see any more time. This is just like, you know what? Honestly, like, to a smaller extent of what... Um, Justin was saying, I actually read like this, so like it's just, I, I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's just like as a small, I like it's like a microcosm of, of, of the 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 rivalry basically that's taking place between them, and you know, Mike Mike Evans is my guy, but the fact that he's seeing so much trouble, like I I like it, and and Marshall Lattimore is doing a really good job. I just like it. Honestly, I like it. So I, I feel like it should. The one game is enough. Marshall Lattimore shouldn't have it um, anymore either. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I think one game is enough because it was just like uh, it was a little rough housing. You know what I mean? That's it. That's all. That's all. Nothing more for anyone. And 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 they carry on with their careers. Okay, so. AJ, this might, this should not surprise you. I just heard me say this last night as well. So I believe that Lattimore should have not Lattimore. Lattimore should not be suspended at all. He should not, I agree, he should not have been kicked out 
of the the game. Um, because all Lattimore does in this rivalry with Mike Evans is that he does his job. He turns up, he sees Mike Evans on the field, and he's like, okay, since you're opposite me, my job is to shut you down today. So guess what? Get in my pocket and stay there. And that's what happens. He's, he puts him in his pocket, and I think that for the entire time that this rivalry between the two of them has been going, Evans has one touchdown catch on Lattimore. That's it. For the, for the entire time. It, so when you are Mike Evans, and you think that you are supposed to be one of the elite um, wide receivers in the game, then you get frustrated because you are supposed to be able to dominate this man that is smaller and shorter than you. And this man gives you the business every single time he sees you, which goes to just the point that this is on site. Anytime you walk into my stadium, you go up here with nothing. That is, that is the point, period, the end. So Evans cannot get the better of Lattimore, period. And because of that, he gets upset every time he plays against the Saints. And he then acts the fool because he's playing against the Saints. He cheap-shotted him in the back of before when Jameis was their quarterback and almost gave the guy with flash. This time he hit him in the chest. So when you hit him in the chest, he can absorb the, the hit. But what has Lattimore done wrong in this situation? He covered the wide receiver. He forced him to the sidelines without interfering on him. So there's no call to be made. The instigator of this entire situation, Tom Brady, decides that he is going to go and tell off the referee because the referee didn't give him the call that he wanted. Lattimore waves him off. Brady turns around and looks at him and tells him, bleep you, bleep. To which Lattimore, well, I mean... I'm a man on this field just like you. How dare you look at me in my home stadium and give me lip like that? So I'm going to turn around and tell you something. And then, as I said last night on Justin's show, Marshall Lattimore has to be the Secret Service and Tom Brady has to be the President of the United States of America because that's the only reason that you're going to come running in there in the manner that he did as if to say, don't talk to my man like that. So, this, Lattimore has done nothing wrong. But Evans has a pattern of behavior when it comes to Marshall and Lattimore. Because, AJ, you can roll your eyes, but it is a fact. When he comes into the, when he comes up against the Saints, he misbehaves. He he gets physical with Lattimore because Lattimore shuts him down all the time. One game suspension is not enough as a deterrent to stop him from doing this again. Because, you know, when later on in this season, when the Saints go to Raymond James Stadium and Lattimore shuts him down again, chances are my Evans is going to do something foolish one more time. And, he, you know, we caught him on camera looking at the, the ref and saying, but that's Tom Brady, what am I supposed to do? What you're supposed to do is to take your butt off the field like you were almost there and don't run back on the field because you are not the police. Let the no, refs no, handle the situation. No, no, no. Justin, let, let, me, let, me, take this, let me take this piece right here, right? Ken. We are talking to a receiver who's 
who's been one of the best in the league in, in terms of numbers, right? This man won a Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. You can bet your bottom dollar that he's going to defend Tom Brady any chance he gets. That's, that's what it is. That's all it is. That's all it is. That's all it is. And let me tell you, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love your Saints fans. I love your Saints fans. I love your Saints fans. Listen, let me see how, how gently I can put this. The reality is, the reality is that Mike Evans did the right thing. He did the right thing. He did. He actually did the right thing. Um, I know it seems like a bad situation because he defended a quarterback and Tom Brady and blah, 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 blah. No, he did the right thing. He did the right thing. He did the right thing. But running out to the field attacking a man where he was, <laughs> yeah, where he was yeah, going. Yeah. Okay. No. Nah. No, no, yeah, but the thing is, he, he didn't he didn't go any further than that, though. Mike, he, did he thing. didn't get a chance to go any further than that. No, he's studying the wrong things. He's studying the wrong things. Then studying the wrong things. He's studying the wrong things. You, you are studying the wrong things. I know. Justin, Justin, tell us why he's studying the wrong things. He's studying. Not studying the wrong things. He's studying the wrong things. Ken, he's you're studying the wrong things. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. That the man defended his cornerback. That's all it is. Come on. Come on. He, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, Justin, go ahead. I, I feel like I'm not being no, listened to at this I think, point. I think, I think Ken wrapped it up. Situation. He should have gotten more games. He's a repeat offender. And as Ken said, he's off the field. He back on the field to start basically something that really was, was going to go nowhere. Hit him with three games of suspension. But again, player safety means absolutely nothing. The NFL, so. uh, all, all I know is when I watched the game, at the time when the fight, I mean, everybody's been calling it a fight, but no punches were thrown. So is it really a fight if nobody, you know, balls the fist and throws a hand? But I, I believed that the first escalation came as a, court, as a result of the actions of Leonard Fournette. And I thought that Fournette should have been kicked out of the game as well because he was the one that caused the agitation of this entire situation. Because we got two guys that are just joined to one another and he is the one that throws the first punch. He is the one that pushes um, Lattimore. Lattimore retaliates and pushes him. Then in comes Evans and pushes Lattimore down. Marcus May decides I have to pick up for my teammate. So he pushes Evans. By that time, Lattimore gets back up, takes Evans to the ground. And we got benches clearing. Like if, you know, this is a, one of those dog days of summer in baseball. The fact still remains that Evans was 100% wrong in this situation. He was practically off the field. The particular argument that is going on has nothing to do with him so therefore continue on your way sir you don't have any calling back here what are you doing here Lattimore gets sent off gets kicked out of the game and then we had the two bogus penalties that the refs called for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to keep the drive going they score a touchdown that then causes Jameis to decide that he has to try to get everything back on one play I personally thought that the first interception 
was not necessarily his fault. That Chris Olave could have done more working back to the ball, helping out his quarterback. But definitely the other two were his fault. Though before we before we go any further, we got a lot of comments that came in on in the chat. Um, Kirk said that it should have bare minimum should have been games one off gets one game, but these are repeat offenders. I don't think Lattimore is an offender in this case. All he does is his job, and Evans can't handle it. Um, Brian Vegas says, upset how the man them tried to style to Brady Dawn. I guess he, like AJ. Brian, talk to these men. Talk to these men, Brian. Talk to these men. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Kurt, Kurt says that there's also some questions to be asked about Bruce Arians' role in this. He allegedly agitated Evans into getting involved in the quarrel with Brady. Um, he agreed with what Justin and I said that Evans is a repeat offender. I mean, there is video evidence of this. Brian, not enough. Not enough. Not enough. But not enough. <laughs> I'm never gonna bother with you <laughs> or that. Brian says that he's got a gift certificate, hundred dollars. I should find that Evans burns Lattimore next game. If I was in Barbados, I would be coming to collect that certificate because there's nothing that we've seen in this rivalry so far to suggest that Evans is going to burn anything other than his edges when he is fuming. <laughs> I get it shut down again. Hundred dollars, Shafet. Hundred dollars. That's a real chicken sandwich, you say, boy. That's not chicken sandwich, you say, boy. It's so, so hungry, no. So then he, he then adds that you know who is Lattimore. That's no household name, but I'm getting a Lattimore jersey, and I have to get. I I told you this, AJ, that I wanted to get did. a Marshall Lattimore jersey. Yeah, you did. Every time the Saints play the Buccaneers, I would put that on because I know even if we lose the game. That guy is gonna have a great game playing yeah. against Mike Evans. That like is, is, I wonder if Ender specials still up because Ken could get somebody. That's why I can. I want some tennis for real. I'm sorry, man. I, I, jeez, I'm so hungry. Anyhow, go ahead. I'm sorry. No problem. <laughs> All right, so now we 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 move quickly over to overreacting much we are almost at an hour so we're just going to take three of these topics um and for those of you who are new to us overreacting much is where we find headlines or storylines coming out of the weekend's action and ask the question overreacting much this is aj's baby but you know since aj was initially not going to be here i took up the mantle this week and found the topics for us so first up this week is Mr. Tua Tagovailoa. After Lamar Jackson, the most disrespected quarterback in the NFL has to be Tua. But as mentioned earlier in the show, the Dolphins QB had himself a career day against the vaunted defense and celebrated secondary of the Baltimore Ravens to the tune of 469 yards on 36 of 50 <coughs> attempts passing with six touchdowns and two interceptions. Tua has ascended into the echelons of the elite NFL quarterbacks. Justin, overreacting much? Yeah, like, hold, they punch breaks because, like, I mean, he looked oh, and then for three quarters, he had two touchdowns and two interceptions. It's like, oh, like, I don't know if it was Baltimore getting, Baltimore getting bored. All those throws, like they sat down with Jalen Waddle, continually get behind them. I, I 
don't know that Marcus Peters, Marcus Williams, you know, why is the third name filling me? But I don't know that they do that. I don't know that they let that happen again. They, as I said, prior to that, for uh, uh, two touchdown, two interception performance, and I think like three or two hundred not of those yards came in that fourth quarter. Like, and say for argument's sake, yes, we know, know Tyreek Hill is fast, but the same issues that we've talked about to ourselves on some of those throws, two of those deep balls, Tyreek Hill had to sit in the end of those touchdown passes came in straight. And you may say, oh, yeah, that's me nitpicking because at what stage is that going to happen again? Like, the average man is not going to sit down and watch. So if somebody's going straight for straight, those balls are going to be dreadfully. I am going to put that. That's why I put as my moral victory symbol because I don't know that the Dolphins won. Um, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens took their foot off the gas. I have to say again that our weakness is not. It, it, it's still there. And. I'm not sure. I'm not here to hear on, on tour. I got to see more and the fourth quarter against the Baltimore against the Ravens. Cool. Okay, so Justin is is not convinced. AJ, what about you? I think you're muted because we can't hear you. I thought I unmuted. I'm sorry. Um. Yeah, um, it, it's an overreaction to me. It's an overreaction. It's a, it's a a huge overreaction to because while Tua has done very well in the first couple of weeks, I, and he deserves every bit of praise, especially from like the doubters like myself because I was a doubter. I was a doubter. Um, I think elite is a stretch, and Elite QB play is more than just getting the ball to your Pro Bowl caliber receivers, right? I need to see this more consistently because even week one for him, it was, it was, it it was, it was, it was like standard. It wasn't like anything out of the ordinary, right? It wasn't spectacular. So I need to see what he has. Uh, But I think that he has proven that he is a, a starting quarterback in this league. But as for Elite, nah. It's just, that's an overreaction for me. Okay. Well, for me, I said this is definitely an overreaction. The concerns about Tua haven't gone away, which are lack of arm strength and mobility, limited mobility. He's had good success so far this season with the shiny new toy in Tyreek Hill, but considering that the touchdown pass that Hill had to wait on the ball to arrive and then start back running again, you know, a better quarterback with a stronger arm hits him in stride. Tua is definitely in the good category, but he's not great. Not yet. So, um, well, Brian was a little uh, concerned about some of the terminology. He asked if he could use the word pass instead of balls because um, someone may mention it to uh, two deep balls. Um, Kirk 
said that the win by the Dolphins is down to great wide receiver play. Many of those catches were under or overthrown, and it is simply the brilliance of Tyreek Hill. You can't teach fast, which is very true. And Brian said that Tua is injury prone, which is another concern where he yeah. is. You know, this is a guy that has been injured at all three levels of football. We all know about the injury concerns he had at Alabama. He missed time there. He's already missed time in the NFL. I've had a friend tell me, and I've now started to believe this, this is like the simplest. If you're injury prone in amateur sport, likely going to work. Yeah. So Kurt, Kurt gave us his what He said that two is firmly in the meh category. <laughs> That's a little bit, I think that's a little bit harsh. But um, I was looking at an article on ESPN from Bill Barnwell, and he said that if there, he said there, here are the other quarterbacks who have 400 passing yards and five touchdowns in a game over the past decade Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Nick Foles, Jared Goff, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Matt Schaub, and Deshaun Watson. So that's a mixed bag if there ever was one for a stat like that. You know, 400 passing yards and five touchdowns. So unfortunately, this doesn't prove anything, which I guess is the feeling of our esteemed panel here tonight. So now we move from Tua and Miami to the other coast, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the San Francisco 49ers this week, they lost their second year pro and starting quarterback Trey Lance for the rest of the season with a broken ankle. And we, you know, we do definitely wish him speedy recovery with that injury. And that caused them to have to reinsert Jimmy Garoppolo, the prettiest quarterback in the NFL, who they tried their best to get rid of this offseason. I guess, no, they're happy that they didn't, as no, he's slated to be their starter for the rest of the year or until the injury bug bites him too. The Niners, though, are a better team with Jimmy than with Trey at the helm. AJ, overreacting much? No, it's not an overreaction. I told you this last week. We spoke about this last week, and I said I did not think that it was an overreaction that Trey Lance was not ready to lead this team as it's currently constructed, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to double down on it. Um, of course, I look better with Jimmy because he actually has played games in the NFL and in college. Trey Lance hasn't played football. Like, we haven't seen enough football from Trey Lance. I, and I, I, I told you last week, there's a reason why John Lynch kept this guy around. Jimmy G, that is. I I just don't. I'm not convinced that they, that they were actually convinced by Trey Lance to keep to in that they kept Jimmy around. Like, yeah, of course the team looks better with Jimmy. Yeah, because they are better with Jimmy G. Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah. Okay. What were you just saying? Overreacting much? No, it's not an overreaction. It would be better with Trey Lance because we all know about that zone running scheme that we like to run. You know, by the Mike Shanahan tree. I mean, 
Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVeigh, Mike LaFleur, Arthur Smith, Zach Taylor. They can go on and on and on. And when you have a quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, like Trey opens that option for you that you have an additional runner. You know, and then somebody with the athletic, we know that Jimmy G does not exactly have the biggest of arms. And so now you can eat both, you know, that away and that away because of the arm strength and mobility. The problem is, is what um, my guy just alluded, which is AJ. So sorry, I'm forgetting AJ's name. But AJ alluded to the problem in football, whether the collegiate level or the NFL. And he's played, he's not even played Division One school. He played in a lower conference and hardly played. And like what well, at two starts, then one in week one. And you're asking this guy championship aspirations because this is a team that went to a Super Bowl just like what three seasons of the FC championship game last season. An elite defense, great offensive line, weapons in Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle. And you're asking a second-year player in any football under his belt at the collegiate level to be the quarterback going forward. And it is clear the organization does not trust him. Yeah, we know that. But if he's anything, he is an accurate passer on underneath the ropes to win with Jimmy G. Right? I mean, as I said, they've gone to football and an NFC championship game, which I always felt like a drafting trail lance on its error to begin with, and then second overall, I know the team Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust Jimmy G, but if you wanted to assert trail last, you should have let him go into this offseason and beat Jimmy G in preseason, beat him in preseason to justify putting him at starting quarterback. No, it's not an over. Reaction right now, as currently constructed, is better with Jimmy G going forward to open up the offense that you want. Yeah, Trey Lance is your guy, but not right now. So, looking at the um, at the comments that we we have coming in, Brandon he he agrees that Jimmy should be the starter. He said you just picked him up in fantasy, so, you know, put him in, coach. <laughs> And then he said that Trey Lance, but he doesn't believe that Trey Lance is a dual threat quarterback. And he says that he, a young hardback man like Lance, he better get up and finish the game. He's not ready. I mean, it's a little hard for a guy to get up and finish the game if he has a broken ankle. Um, get this regardless, hard. Yeah, yeah, regardless of, of who you are, not even Derrick Henry is going to be able to play on a broken ankle. So um, we have to we have to give him a little bit of um, leeway on the injury front. But the injury itself, I put that down on Shanahan because there's no way that I'm telling Trey Lance to run quarterback power. That is that's a, that that's not a decision that a coach who cares about his quarterback. You know, we talk of Justin. You mentioned the NFL and player safety. Clearly, um, Kyle Shanahan doesn't have much intent for safety of his quarterbacks either. But I digress. When we come back to the question of if this is an overreaction that the Niners are a better team with Jimmy than with Trey at the helm, 
like I said last week, it's hard to tell. It really is hard to tell because we have not seen enough of Trey this season or ever, <laughs> really, to mm. know. And as I mentioned on Justin's show last night, it seems to be something about these teams that are based in or have come out of the bay that they seem to think that they know better than everybody else. Because the team that just left the bay in Oakland, the no Las Vegas Raiders, they're accustomed to picking players that nobody understands why they're picking these guys in the first round. And I'll give you three names. We have um, Damon Arnett, who is currently out of the league. We have Henry Ruggs, who's currently sitting in the penitentiary. And then we have Alex Leatherwood, who was their first round pick from just the other day, took a sip of a snow cone in the league, and now he's gone. Nobody has even picked him up on their practice squad. So he is completely out of it. So we haven't seen enough of Lance right now as the speculative speculative third third overall pick by the 49ers. But we know that the 49ers, they love his big arm that Jimmy doesn't have. And we know that he could do more in the run, that they could do more in the run game with Trey since he's more mobile. But as Justin mentioned, Jimmy got into a Super Bowl, he got into an NFC Championship game. We'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. No, Brian, he, he confessed that he doesn't watch much of the Fortnite's. Um But he he says that, you know, the white coaches, they only like to run the black quarterbacks, you know, like slave. Um, he gave RG3 as an example. Can't really speak against that. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, that is that is the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> and Trey Lance. So now to finish up for tonight, fellas, just saying mm-hmm. it would be remiss of us, you being the guy representing the NFC North here, if we did not go and end with the NFC North um, conversation, which is that when we look at the NFC North right now, we thought that the Vikings were really good and then they got smoked last night. You didn't say that because you will never say that, but I said that. I had concerns about your Green Bay Packers because, as as I've said multiple times now, Aaron Rodgers is the Jose Mourinho of the NFL. He doesn't trust the kids. He only likes these old men that he has had an opportunity to develop a rapport with. So we have concerns about your Green Bay Packers. But those Detroit Lions are the plucky up-and-comers. We're not going to worry about the Bears because that's just the Bears. The Bears right now are not worthy of this conversation. But as... We have seen in many a year the North is as wide open as we have ever seen. The Lions have a chance to upset the Applecart and steal the North. Overreacting much? Yeah. Um, and the thing is, I want to give the Lions. I will take some away from Dan Campbell because he promised me two things he's yet to deliver. Everyone that has visited Detroit 
Detroit or wherever Detroit is going, still has any caps in place. Frank, he promised me <laughs> lions on the field, and I've not seen an animal, whether it be a lion. I have not seen any farm animals, wild animals on the field so far. I've gone over to your promises, so I can't give you any <laughs> love. But um, I think it is an overreaction to think that he and I see you north is the lanes simply because, like, as I said multiple times, when you ask, the first question is some who's going to win the division. Then you look at who, which team has the best quarterback. And the reality is that you best quarterback at, at, at best. Like, Jargoff is not better. It's not better than. Kirk Cousins. Then we look at the weapons. Yes, um, we have I'm a Ross and Brown. I believe in DeAndre Swift. Thankfully, I have him in one. I'm not sure if it's yours. I have him in, but those are two very good weapons. At some point, I think the teams. But let's match that up. No, with Minnesota, I can't do this. Justin Jefferson. You have Adam Thielen on the other side. And then you have Jared, Jared Cook. Yeah, like, well, no, not Jared Cook. What am I saying? Jared Cook is the right name. Delvin Cook, sorry. Jefferson, you have Adam Hewitt. Like, those weapons collect better unit than what the Lions have. Packers offense, we already speak to that, other than is it's going to be one dimensional. It's going to be a very run heavy. We're seeing with Aaron Jones. Uh, and uh, AJ Dillon doing a lot of these. I say all that to see. I think the Detroit Lions are building the right way. Like I believe that football games are won in the trenches. You're supposed to go outwards. They got Penesul in this last draft, and um, you know they got Aiden Hutchinson. Penesul, Aiden Hutchinson, right? Uh, Peninsula. So got Peninsula uh, as a tackle. They got Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive line. Are building the football team the right way. And Dan Campbell understands that. I still think that we, what we are seeing for the Detroit Lions is a good building block. But we can't say it's a wide open NFC North until I see them play a team. So until I see them play the Vikings and until I see them play my Packers, I think it's a, I'm not saying that they cannot contend in the NFC North, but until I see actual they play Minnesota, how they play Green Bay, especially on the road, I think it's a bit of an overreaction. This division is wide open for them. Okay. What about you, AJ? Do you think that this is an overreaction that the Lions have a chance in the wide open NFC North? Uh yeah, I do. It, it is an overreaction. Um, it's a huge overreaction, honestly. I mean, I I I, I like the Lions. I do. Um, I, like I've been on the hype train, hype train since last season. And y'all know I've I've been speaking about Amon Rassi and Brown. Like he's officially my second favorite receiver in this league after Devontae Adams, right? 
but but I just don't see them having a chance in this division, like to actually win, not not to get past the the reigning MVP and then an offense with the the uh, with a top five receiver and running back. I I I, I think it's it's too tall a task. So I, I still think they're going to finish through it, and, and I'll double down on this. I, I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. The Broncos are going to be the worst team in this division. No, the, uh, sorry, sorry, you're Broncos, Bronco, sorry, sorry. Not Broncos, Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Yeah. The Lions are going to finish better than the Bears, but the Bears are going to be the worst team in this division. That's all. Okay. So... As you both know, I've told you, and some others, you know, you would have seen. I do an, a podcast with some guys out of England for um, this guy, Munzee Talks. He does this this podcast. He basically does a podcast for everything. He does a podcast for the Premier League. He does a podcast for F1. He does one for the NBA. He does one for NFL. He was even thinking of doing one for college, but, I mean, this is England. I'm not sure how well that would track. In, in England, but on his podcast, we were talking about the Packers, and Justin, this way, this one might surprise you a bit, because he had a Packers fan on there, who dislikes Aaron Rodgers, to put it mildly. He would I mean, be the first, and he's not the last. Yep, because I know that you yourself do not have great love in your heart for number 12. However, he said that he thought that the Packers were going to finish last in the division. Whoa. Yes. He Whoa. said last. He thought that the Packers were going to come last in the division. And I was like, last? I was so surprised because whenever yes. you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance. I, but. I could see us not winning division. Yes, for sure. You have to see Minnesota right now with the best team in the division, but and the Bears and uh, clearly he didn't watch Sunday night football. No, but this was this was heading into this week's games when he said last. So now he's had an opportunity to to think I'm hoping that you know he thinks a little bit differently about what he what he said last week. But I honestly do believe that this division is as open as it has been for quite a number of years because Aaron Rodgers does not have that stud wide receiver to call on and to depend on as he usually does because, again, he doesn't like to play with the kids. So, Ronald Cobb being the most experienced both in tenure, as well as rapport with Rodgers, Ronald Cobb is not the guy that he's going to be looking to throw the ball to 20 times a game. So that in and of itself is a problem. But the Vikings still have the best team in the division as far as I am concerned. That week one win against the Packers was not a fluke. And I'm pretty sure that when they play them again later on in the season that they will show again that it's not a fluke. But the Lions... I don't see the Lions right now as currently constructed as having the amount of experience and they don't have the horses 
to win enough games to be better than the Packers. I believe the Packers are still a 10-11 win games um, team. And if they're not a 10-11 10, win game team, that means that we're saying that the Lions are, what, a 12-win team? 13-win team? They're definitely not that. They're probably going to topple around 6 wins, 68 wins maybe, which is an improvement on last season and an improvement on almost every season in their history. So we... We can give the Lions credit for their development, but I agree that this is definitely an overreaction based on what we have seen so far. All right, Jets. So that is where we're going to bring this week's episode to a close. Justin, of course, we want to thank you for being with us. As always, we love having you here. You give us great insight and some hot takes tonight. So we will definitely have you back, you know, before too long. So let the folks know where they can find you. I was told in the comments that it's catchy or I don't know what happened. This is typically not as y'all would know, not very funny week. This is unfortunately where I film. So I hope that the internet issues kind of solve that. All, all that aside, um, hashtag this just in. Not to be confused with in without the hashtag. Please put in the hashtag because we don't want to hear Matt Skelman's. We are everywhere where you find your stuff. So we are on, on Facebook. We are on Twitter, this hashtag is just in, and every month, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, we have our live show. That's for our Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Hashtag this just in. We just had an episode where we discussed what the Packers are going to look like going forward. Are they going to be a run for? We went into every single major storyline coming out of week two. So that every Monday night on YouTube, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. Alrighty. And of course, you guys know that this is the Green Beige Podcast. You will find us here on YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitter. So wherever you watch your stream, you can find us. Our audio-only podcast goes up right after the show is finished. We, you know, we wrap things up here, and then that goes up so that you can listen to us on pretty much every platform that you can think of. If you type in Green Beige, you will find us there. So you don't have an excuse. You can always find us wherever you will need to. And, of course, tomorrow... We are going to be back with the fantasy spot. We didn't have one last week, but we're planning to have one this week where we're talking about what has happened from a fantasy perspective over these last few games. In our show league, I'm not doing very well. I'm 0-2 to get started. So I'm hoping that things pick up for me. Um, so, as always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken, I am the bitch, and we will see you guys next time.